0: Asking the right questions will unlock your best life. They are the keys to enjoying more clarity, passion, balance, and confidence. Hi.
1: I'm Todd Parker. And I'm Bridget Sampson. We're certified executive and life coaches, communication professors, trainers, consultants,
0: and most importantly, parents. We're also dear friends who love diving into those deep conversations about life, relationships, family, and careers.
1: All things about being a curious and compassionate human on this planet.
0: So please join us and we know you'll find something valuable that resonates with wherever you are on your journey. So here we are again, Bridget, episode two of The Right Questions. Happy that you're here with us and have chosen to, well, tune into yet another hopefully productive conversation around a thought-provoking question. We think we've got something interesting for you today. You'll let us know, of course. Bridget, how are you doing on this fine November 4th?
1: I am hanging in there. I'm if I'm honest, I'm a little anxious about the election results, which we don't have. We do not have a final answer of who our president will be for the next four years. So I'm like everyone else in our country awaiting that final answer and feeling the stress and anxiety of friends and family and people on social media.
0: Yeah, same.
1: Yeah. That's where I am. That
0: makes sense. I think. Kind of, no matter who we're voting for, seems like we're all sort of in that same boat, which could be unifying. But we'll get there. Yeah, I mean November fourth, we don't know who the president's going to be. We've I've been watching, you know, a whole a whole lot of media over the last few days, especially last night and this morning, and it's clear that we've had a uh, you know record turnout in votership. Right, that people are tuned in and care about what happens, and we're all wondering. So it's a historic day. Nonetheless, it's always historic when we're here electing a new president. I'll say for my own part, I have the added joy of being sick right now, but I thought it was, and I share that to say, I have my own levels of uncertainty because they checked me for a couple of things and I didn't have it. So now I'm being checked for for COVID and waiting to find out and seeing if my symptoms get worse. So even amidst all that uncertainty, I thought it was very important to come on and have this discussion, this conversation with you today and with the listeners because of what the day is and because of what we're all feeling and because of the question we've come up with for everybody.
1: Yeah. And I appreciate that, Todd. I I know since we've worked together for so long that you always have the show must go on attitude and you've always shown up for whatever's going on. And we should acknowledge that by the time you out there, the listener, are listening in on this conversation, we will know who the president is for the next four years. So we're having this conversation not knowing but also very mindful that you do know and we know wherever we are in the future a week or so out. So we thought it was important to have this conversation with you today.
0: Bridget, do you want to reveal the question that we're going to tackle today?
1: I would love to. The question that we thought about and decided on and brought for today is how can I be a force for unity post-election?
0: How can I be a force for unity post-election?
1: And I just want to say, before we dive into answering that, I want to say that just as our listeners do, as you do as our listener, I have very strong beliefs and opinions. I consider myself an activist, and advocate for many causes. And yet I do want to challenge myself with this question of how I can help unify. The divisiveness that we've seen and help to bring people together.
0: Yeah. Because, Bridget, to that point, roughly half the country, and this is not just true this week and with this election, but with nearly every election in our history, about half the country is going to be upset when the results come in, right? We're going to be unhappy. And it's the responsibility, I would say, of all of us to pay attention to that and for us to have a discussion here around the question of how can I be a force for unity post-election is how we contribute to what happens in the wake. Yes, absolutely. So Bridget, perhaps is it cool if if you answer that question? Do you have some ideas about, and you say you're going to challenge yourself, how you're going to go about being that force?
1: Yeah, I'll try to answer the question. And I I encourage you to challenge me on it, Todd. (laughs) If anything, you know, doesn't sound quite right because it's a tough one for me. I am very, very opinionated and strong in my views, very clear on which side of things I stand on. And everyone who knows me knows that. Yet, when I ask myself this question, how I can unify, regardless of differing opinions and views, what comes to me first is that I am an advocate for social justice, for inclusiveness, for all voices being heard and brought to the table without exception. So the challenge Mm. there is that means I am obligated to hear and welcome and include all voices and opinions, regardless of how much they differ from my own. And so I want to push myself to live up to that, to the point where it's uncomfortable for me, where it pushes me out of my comfort zone. I live in a state where the vast majority of people agree with my views. And so I'm in a little bit of a bubble. And yet at the same time, I don't get to choose everyone who I work with in my neighborhood, in my Extended family and friend communities, right? How, what their opinions are. They are going to have different opinions from mine. And I want to, for us to be able to have kind, respectful, open-minded conversations about all of the issues that impact all of our lives. So if I believe in and promote inclusiveness without exception, that everyone should be included, then I have to practice that myself. That's my first challenge to myself. I do want to say there, I think there is an exception and I honor each person's individual choice in finding that line. And for me, when someone's not willing to listen to my view And their view is on the complete opposite end of mine. And we have no common ground that we can find in conversation, and conversations are not productive and not respectful. I do reserve the right to end that conversation, to even end that relationship. And I know that's been very controversial where people are unfriending people and ending relationships. I think people have that right. But I think we each have to decide where that line is for us. Yeah. And for me, I'm going to try to. To not do that, you know, to the extent possible within my power as a human being to try to stay in conversation with people and always stay in kindness and respect and empathy and trying to understand and find common ground. Again, to the extent that it, it may make me extremely uncomfortable, but I'll keep trying.
0: Well, I would, I'm going to ask you a follow-up. How will that show up in your action? It's a good question.
1: Well, I mean, for me, I am constantly interacting with so many different people. Right now it's virtually, but as you know, we're going to be teaching so many virtual courses. We're working for all different companies with people with different views. And so when I'm in that conversation where someone expresses a view that's different from mine, and you and I have had conversations where we Certainly. disagree and we have different views. It's marvelous. I Yes. There you go. There's your answer. I want to be able to say, this is marvelous. So when I'm in that conversation with whoever it may be, and it becomes apparent that we disagree about something, anything, I want to stay grounded and calm in my identity as someone who is always loving, compassionate, empathetic, always strives to understand all viewpoints. And no matter how much I might want to argue and say you're wrong and become insulting and belittling, that's not who I am. That's not how I want to be. And I don't think that's what works. I right. don't think that's how you influence someone.
0: So, Bridget, am I hearing you correctly that in answering the question of how you plan to be a, a force for unity post election in actions, that part of that entails the management of your own thoughts in the moment? when you feel yourself getting flooded with an emotion. Yes. Yeah?
1: Yes. So think about if we're asking ourselves, how can I be a force for unity post-election, right? Because- I think we all agree unity is a good thing. It's an aspirational goal. I'm with you goal. there, yeah. It would be lovely for our country. Unity does not mean we agree, but it means we're unified as a country, as human beings who care for one another, right? So if we're having conversation and my thought is, well, you're just an idiot and you just don't get it. <laughs> and, and I communicate that to you, whether verbally through my words or through my nonverbal communication, my attitude, I don't think that's going to help anything.
0: Right, right, yeah.
1: And if my thought is, on the other hand, my thought, my answer, as you always point out, we ask ourselves these questions and we do answer them in our minds. So how <laughs> can I be a force for unity? The answer is probably not to tell this idiot off, right? The thought is that thought it probably won't serve us in the situation. Can we come to a thought of, oh, we disagree? Let me hear this person out and then let me think about how I might respectfully share my view, which is different. Right. That thought, I think, will get us further if we want to be a force for unity.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, as I hear you talking, I can hear the effort you put in to just that, the management of self in the moment and also beforehand, right? Which is what the strategies involved and how am I going to show, how can I bring my best self here? And reminding right. yourself of your identity and what you believe yourself to be. Um, and we've talked about that in the past, and we'll talk about it in the future. So reminding yourself, though, of what you believe yourself to be and those values you hold dear and seek to uphold, what you're saying is seems to bring you back from that emotional flooding, at least to a point where you can have a, a productive conversation, perhaps, with whomever right. it might be, family, friends, colleagues, right. neighbors. Because you want to maintain those relationships and be that force for unity. Exactly.
1: And I just will add again, there is a point where you can also decide that the conversation is not productive and Mm. still walk away from it in a respectful, kind manner.
0: Yes. In a spirit
1: of egalitarianism and just acknowledgement that views have been shared minds are not changing. I saw a post on social media recently that was a pie chart. And it was about, right, if you have a political argument on social media and green was your mind has changed and blue is my mind has changed and red was nobody's mind has changed and everybody's pissed off and the whole pie chart was red.
0: Right, (laughs) Right? yeah. So I
1: do think there's that point where we say, okay, we've each stated our views, we differ, we see where the other one is coming from and we're going to move on.
0: To that point, I had a, a wise mentor, I think they were wise, once tell me, you only have a certain amount of energy that you can devote to a certain amount of projects. And each mm-hmm. one of these conversations you might consider as a project or an undertaking, especially one that is when you're engaging with someone with very different views, that's an undertaking, that's a project, right? Mm-hmm. And in doing so, okay. you got to pick and choose where you place that energy because you can't pick all of those projects. And that, that was relieving to me, right? As, as guidance for me is to know when to walk away and walk away respectfully. Absolutely. Well said. Right. Budget.
1: Right. Right. Thank you. Well, Todd, I'm really curious about how you are going to answer this question. Because as we know, you and I agree on a lot of things, but we have a very different personality type and I tend to get really emotional and really charged. And, you know, want to be that advocate. And I love how you tend to be very rational and logical and calm. I really do. I really honor Thank that. You. And I think the combination of different approaches to these very difficult moments in life of differing and disagreeing. I'm really curious to hear, you well, know, what your answer is to the question.
0: You know, I'm, you're right. I think I try to be pragmatic, more pragmatic with things in my life and, and really try to remind myself of that and have strategies for that when I do get emotional, because I absolutely get flooded with emotion and I get triggered and I get all kinds, of, I have in- incredibly strong opinions and emotions, but as you know, incredibly strong opinions about just about everything, right? But that's not really the goal of the topic today. It's really, how can I move past all of those strong emotions and still be articulate or engage in productive conversations about things I care about and make progress with the people and have relationships and be unified with the people I care about. And that means strangers as well, because I very much care about all the people I don't know. So I guess to answer your question, I have a few thoughts to preface it, right? So that you understand where I'm coming from. I think we're all losing If we can't come together after an election, and not just this election, all election, I know with every fiber of my being that our politicians will be just fine. That evidence is history gives us that lesson. But us, you know, Bridget, you and I, you and I, the listener, right? We need each other, and we need each other in very deep ways. It's incredibly important to me that we understand that we need each other to move past our biases, to get out of our own or see our own blind spots, that we don't see those on our own. So part of the reason I bring that up is that I walk into every conversation with the assumption that I really only have part of the whole picture at best, that my understanding is partial, that I could absolutely be wrong. And what this does for me is it opens me up to being persuaded. opens me up to influence. It opens me up to being changed by the interaction with whomever I'm speaking with or whatever I'm reading even, right? Because it doesn't even have to be in conversation. I'm in dialogue with the things I read. So if I'm showing up to, conversely, if I show up to a conversation simply to get on my soapbox, Mm -hmm. to say my piece and drop the mic and walk away, well, you know, it's great to speak your truth. You should speak your truth, just like I should. But if I'm not open to being transformed by the experience, if I'm not open to being influenced and persuaded, we can't really make progress. In fact, there's really not a, a huge reason for us to speak. Some might argue, are we even communicating? Or are we just talking past each other? So I enter that all these conversations with that assumption and with that reminder to myself so that I can... um embrace and step into whatever the opportunity is. And as you mentioned, Bridget, if it turns out that that's um, not a project I should continue with, I will find ways to respectfully step out of it. But if I seek to engage and I want to understand, which is what I, I would hope we would all be seeking is some understanding. Why did you vote for this person? Or, you know, why did you vote for this proposition? Right, I can do so in my openness with genuine curiosity and fascination as opposed to judgment and criticism i can approach it with curiosity and fascination so a couple suggestions that i might offer to our, you know to our listeners about how we might in communication engage with people we disagree with or find ways to say step out of it you can ask them to explain why they voted for that person on their proposition. You can thank them for helping you understand it. You can say, thank you for taking the time to explain that to me, your position. I've gained some insight here, which recognizes that the person spoke without agreeing and without validating. And I think it's a really important point to make here, that you can listen and you can recognize others without agreeing and without validating their ideas. As you said, Bridget, they have a mind and an idea and a right to have those ideas. And you have the same freedom to listen and to respectfully depart when that time comes. To bring back to the point, how do we be a force for unity is that none of us win when we're divided. Right. So I'm going to continue to ask myself in the days and weeks to come, Todd, not only how can you be a force for unity? But how can you vibrate others? How can you infect others with harmony, with a sense of safety, with a sense of security? So that the conversations I engage in leave everyone feeling heard, feeling recognized without feeling criticized, and truly really trying to, in the deepest way, Bridget, to answer this question, how can I be a force for unity? To lead with compassion and represent hope, which are two values that I hold in very high esteem. So if I'm modeling compassion and hope, regardless, again, we don't know who's going to win, right? If I'm modeling compassion and hope, regardless of who the winner is, and I know that's not easy, and it's a lot easier for me in the position I sit, I recognize every part of that, that if I can try my best to model that, Mm -hmm. that I might just influence others in a productive way and be that force that I strive to be. Does that answer the question?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was listening very carefully and was very inspired by everything you said, as I often am. And many words stood out to me, compassion and hope and safety. We want the safety of all people i hope regardless of differing views and i agree with everything you said and i appreciate your acknowledgement that that we must be aware of the perspective we come from and where we sit and that if we offer suggestions they are with the understanding that we have a certain perspective and background and experience i i just personally want to acknowledge that i am a white cisgender heterosexual educated you know financially stable person in the world. And so I am able to come from some privilege, a high degree of privilege in sharing these perspectives. And I just want to acknowledge that and that I know that it's a very different experience when you are in a marginalized group, when you are targeted, when the what's at stake in this election is likely to have a much greater impact on your rights and your place in the world, and I do not claim to say that you should be as calm as I'm trying to be or that you should address this issue in this particular way. I think Todd and I are just sharing our experience and our what we're going to attempt to do from our perspective and our place and our positioning in the world and our framing of things. And we're aware that that is limited and always limited, as you said, Todd, and that we're very well aware of unconscious bias. And we know that everyone has unconscious bias, right? We acknowledge all of that. And we also hope that something we shared may resonate for a listener out there and maybe help them, I hope I'll say, maybe help them be able to not be estranged from a family member. Maybe there is a way to avoid that. Sometimes there's not. Or maybe that colleague who drives you crazy maybe won't cause you as much suffering. You know, this is all about compassion and lessening suffering and difficulty in life in the ways that we can. And we can't always do that. But we want to help people to try.
0: You know... Bridget, as you're saying that, it, what comes to mind, uh, and I'm thank you so much for acknowledging, you know, all, all that you just shared. Because I'm right there in agreement with you. It's so much easier to sit in a position of privilege in all the ways that you just mentioned, where uh, the results of the election are, won't be. So either way will not impact us in the way that they will others. So to detach from or to pull back from the emotion, emotional tenor that comes with all of it is so much easier said than done for us and so much easier for us, I should say, and for a, a number of, of marginalized and, and targeted groups. Absolutely. And when you were speaking, what came to mind for me was there's a, an amazing TED Talk by Catherine Schultz called On Being Wrong. That's one of my favorites. And I share it actually always around election time. Usually I'll share it today only because it reminded me I should be sharing this, right? And it always pops up. That's how I remember to share it. And the title is On Being Wrong. And she talks about how she's this crazy wrongness lady who studies being wrong. And everyone told her, what's wrong with you, right? But what she, um, she has this very interesting part where she discusses this problem that we face when we're confronted with someone who disagrees with us that our first, um, she calls it a series of unfortunate assumptions. And she says, the first assumption is we think they're ignorant. And if we just give them the information, then they're going to come over and to the right side and they'll be on our side and they'll see the light. And then the second unfortunate assumption is that, well, they're not ignorant, then they must be an idiot. And they just don't have all the pieces. Uh, they have all the pieces to the puzzle, but they're just too dumb to kind of put all the things together properly. And then she gets to the third unfortunate assumption, which is like, if they're not ignorant and they're not idiots, then they must be evil. They must just be out to distort the truth and to twist it for their own sinister purposes. And the whole point of this is to recognize that our own, not other people's, but our own connection and attachment to rightness or to being right, if we're trying to answer the question, how can I be a force for unity? That our own attachment to being right keeps us from preventing problems in the first place. And it ends up having us treat each other incredibly poorly. And she ends with this beautiful thing that I'd like to get your, your take on, Bridget, where she says the beauty of the mind is not that we can see things as they are, right? But the beauty of our minds is that we can see things as they are not, that we could envision things some other way and to use our creativity and our passions to make that the beauty of our mind, those dreams, those fantasies, perhaps a reality. What do you think about that?
1: I think it's a beautiful notion. And I aspire to live that way, to think that way, to stretch my Cognitive constructs and limited beliefs and ideas and opinions that are so fixed that we all have that are so (laughs) fixed Because I really do believe that that's true. And I believe that that's possible And that is the world that I want to live in where people are able to do that and I think about Some people in my life a few people in my life who I feel really really close to who have really really different opinions than I do and the beautiful conversations we've had and the common ground that we share and the way I've challenged myself in my own mind to focus on and think about the amazing gifts that they bring to my life and the incredible, beautiful people they are. And I get to choose to focus on that and to see that reality to see that possibility. And when I communicate with those people with that in my mind, That's what it draws out in them. And likewise, them for me, they could choose to be judging me because they know my opinions are so different, but they're being loving and compassionate with me, seeing the possibility of our deep connection despite these differences and this divide. And so I live the hope of that and the possibility of that in the relationships I have where people, where we do have really different opinions. And so what you said, Also, that resonated so deeply was the idea of when someone disagrees, how we just want to categorize them as wrong and ignorant, stupid, and evil. I get it. And I've done that. And I'm doing that even now. But I Mm -hmm. like that idea better. Mm -hmm. I'm going to watch that TED talk. I like that possibility at least better that maybe someone isn't evil, but that we just are looking at a situation through such different lenses that this is the conclusion we've come to.
0: You know, Bridget, when we get to that place and what you just described is a difficult place to get to, let's make no, there's no idealism coming from me here that this could happen everywhere all the time, right? These are, uh, and it's not even to suggest, it's not to be suggestive or I should say prescriptive. It is to be suggestive. It's not to be prescriptive as you should or should not do this. But we have this conversation ourselves and Bridget, you and I disagree on things constantly. Like you said earlier, we have the conversation to try to model and demonstrate and remind ourselves, right? Which is why we teach a lot of these things as well, is to try to remind ourselves of all the different methods and strategies and wisdom that is out there to bring us back and ultimately to bring us together. Because as I said earlier, we're the ones that lose, right? As a family when we are at odds with our family and I have family right now that are at odds with each other over the election. And I certainly can't tell them what to do, but I have my hopes and wishes for how it'll turn out for them. Right. Unified and remedied in some way. And I'm confident it will. And I have friends that are in the exact same position. Right. So it's to suggest that there might be another way And I tell the story about those categories and that TED Talk simply to to connect it back to how to be a force for unity, right? If we're going to actually be that force, we have to act in some way, model in some way the thing, unfortunately, it's cliche, but that's why they exist, the thing we want to see, the way we want things to be. If we desire a different level of respect and discourse from our leaders, then we should model it ourselves as the citizenry. Right. And yes, I said, should simply not as a suggestion there, but as a prescription, because I believe that's something we can all get behind, right? That none of us are winning and we all feel it when we're at odds with each other. And so to, for me to sum up, I'm going to walk into all my interactions, knowing I could be wrong with the assumption that I only have part of the whole truth, if at best part of the whole truth. And that I'm open to being influenced, to learning, to understanding, not just the experience, but the emotions, right? Listening deeply for the experience and the emotions of the other person, not just with the election, not just with the propositions, but in their lives, how they are impacted by a variety of, you know, contentious things that are going on right now. Yes. That's what I'm going to do.
1: Well, you inspired me to work to do that as well. As always, you brought a different perspective than I would have had. And I want to be that person as well. I truly do. I will fail. I will not always get it right. So please know, listener, that we are not suggesting that we always get this right. (laughs) Um, We're talking- (laughs) aspirations. Right, yes. We are talking in very aspirational terms. But I think- I do want to say that, Todd, I agree with everything that you've shared, and I do aspire to live up to, to do my best to live up to those expectations of myself, and that I just want to say to our listener out there, I feel your pain and suffering and and difficulty in this time, whatever it is for you, I feel for you I feel with you I am struggling we are having this conversation today but I'm running on very little sleep and mm. being in honestly under great stress about what's going to happen and how it will impact people I love but I don't want that that to let me fall into a place of anything less than being the most compassionate inclusive kind respectful human being that I can, who takes every opportunity to uplift others and stays open to any idea and any possibility as much as I can. And I, again, I will not always get it right, but I'm going to try. And that's my final word for today. I'm so glad we've had this conversation, Todd, because I needed it. It was helpful for me. Your take is always, you know, very wise and Thank you for always listening to me rant about how opinionated I am about things, whether we disagree or not. I just want to say that you embody everything that we've talked about today and, and I'm going to strive to
0: as well. And likewise with you, Bridget, There's um, I've said this to you many times that the world needs all kinds of people and ideas and spirits. Right. So often I say to you, we need your idealism and your passion and the tenaciousness and the drive that you have to stand up for, to speak on behalf of the voiceless, to stand up for those that have less than the right amount of power in the world, that we need all of that to just as we were saying with the TED Talk, envision The world in some other way and work to make it that way. And at the same time, as I say, we need what I would consider myself some pragmatism in there to figure out the ways in which we get there, right? The strategies involved and the the best, the process to help flesh out the process to make that goal, that dream, that lofty goal, a very real part of everyone's lives, make it the reality. I really appreciated this hopefully we've modeled a conversation that replaces contempt with conversation, with just that conversation. Oh, and as well modeled an open and genuine desire to persuade, but to be persuaded and to be influenced. Julia Dar has an amazing discussion and she talks about the way you, you reach people is by finding common ground. And by, I would only add to that, recognizing as well our shared humanity and our need for each other. So, we'll find out what happens. Some of us will be ecstatic and others will be incredibly upset. Regardless, I invite you to stay open and stay hopeful, to be good people, and to make great choices. We'll see you next time.
1: Hey, thanks for listening to the Right Questions podcast. We hope this episode sparked something that
0: fuels your own inquiry and transformation. If you like what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app.
1: If you want to learn more about the work we do and how it can benefit you, check out our website, samsoncoachingandconsulting.com. And connect
0: with me on Instagram at The Bridget Sampson. And you can find me at Todd Parker Official. We'll catch you next week. Until then, dare to ask the right questions.